to be about we If you put a limit on your love, then count me Girl, I know my selfish ways be OD But I just express in ways you don't see Yeah, yeah, and you should know that I'm about you If this ain't the way to love, then show me how to Cause I'm not afraid of breaking all rules I say what I sound, say it to sound cool What's going on, everybody? It's your boy Jordan, and this is Desmond, and welcome to episode 83 of Two Black Nerds. Yeah. That's right, it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment. As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts. Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support. And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds. We appreciate that love, y'all. And let's not forget to mention we have brand new merchandise that's available now at twoblacknerds.com go check out our two black symbiotes collection inspired by venom let there be carnage we got t-shirts crew necks hoodie stickers mugs and tote bags so go ahead and place those orders right now on today's show we're reviewing two netflix releases including the western drama the power of the dog starring benedict cumberbatch and the limited series true story starring kevin hart plus we just got our very first look at the highly anticipated sequel spider-man across the spider-verse so we'll be sharing our reactions to everything we saw in the sneak peek but before we get to any and all of that we're kicking off this week's podcast with a review of one of the most critically acclaimed films of the year come on come on To visit planet Earth, you will have to be born as a human child. At first, you will have to learn to use your new body. To move your arms and legs, you will learn to walk and run. To use your hands to make sounds and form words. There will be so much for you to learn and so much for you to feel. Sadness, joy, disappointment and wonder you will grow up travel and work over the years you will try to make sense of that happy sad full always shifting life you're in and when the time comes to return to your star it may be hard to say goodbye to that strangely beautiful world. Damn this book. You're crying. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're definitely crying. See, you're crying. Now, this film is written and directed by Mike Nils. It's starring Joaquin Phoenix, Gabby Hoffman, Scoop McNary, Molly Webster, Jabuki Young-White, and Woody Norman. So this is a movie that we both got a chance to go to theaters to check out. This is A24's latest release and has been highly anticipated due to the fact that this is Joaquin Phoenix's first movie since 2019's Joker. And it's also got a lot of positive word of mouth as well over these past few weeks. So as I mentioned, we got a chance to go check this out in the movie theater. So with all of that said, man, I'm going to pass it over to you. What did you think about Come On, Come On? Man, I think if you've seen anything uh, by Mike Mills, which I think I've only seen a couple of films, I've seen um, Beautiful Losers, um, and I've seen, uh, I think Beginners it was, and Mike Mills is just such a very um, um, patient filmmaker who always uh, takes himself, I think, into these more lifestyle kind of movies, and this movie, Come On, Come On, it definitely fits that narrative. This is a very slice-of-life kind of movie. 
Um, and the movie, again, is about Joaquin Phoenix. His name is Johnny in the movie, his young nephew. Um, and he Joaquin has to take care of his nephew um, for an extended period of time. And they start to form a relationship. And some things are unexpected with their family that's going on and this and that. But it's really about the connections between adults and children, the past and the future. Um, and there's, there's a lot of different other I think I think themes and movies that different people are going to take away in this film, man. But but for me, this was um, uh, a very extraordinary film. It's I, I'm gonna sound like a broken record here. I have to because it, it come on, bro. This is absolutely ridiculous. Woody Norman, man, the child actor who plays again uh, Joaquin Phoenix's nephew Jesse in this movie is absolutely phenomenal. He acts to the Right there with Joaquin Phoenix. How many times can you say the childhood actor is matching the Oscar award winning actor? You know, some, that's just a really, that's just something that doesn't happen very often. And Woody Norman, oh my goodness, he really just knocks it out of the park here. Him and Joaquin Phoenix, every every time they're in any scene together, uh, just felt so genuine and different. And what, something else I love about this movie is often when kids have speaking roles or very big parts in films. They're always, I think, dumbed down a little bit or a little childish and on purpose. But Woody Norman here is the the way the script is written. It's like, no, he's not a dumb little kid. In fact, uh, Joaquin Phoenix's character, Johnny, is learning just as much from this little boy as as little boy is learning from him. And I think that's one of the most special things about this film for me uh, is, is being able to see that dynamic and how amazing um, these two are together. But again, I think... Anybody's going to take whatever they can from this film. This film, I don't know how it's going to do uh, uh, Academy Award wise, even though I think everybody that sees it is going to be like, yeah, this, this movie's a beast. But the low keyness of the film, it, it wouldn't surprise me if it did get any kind of actor nods, right? Or any kind of really anything, if, if, if anybody talks about it. But um, I, whatever it gets and however people talk about it, I think it's going to deserve it um, because it really is just that good, man. It, 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 it takes you, it's one of the, you know, we, we we talked about how this year has been a struggle for films, just us going to the movies. We talked about it kind of off off podcast. It's like, damn, that movie was just okay. Like, damn, that movie was just okay too. Or, damn, that movie really wasn't that great. This one, I, I finally, you know, we finally walked away again. I was like, yep, that was a good ass movie, bro. <laughs> and and, uh, and that, that itself, I think, um, that feeling is going to set itself apart from a lot of things. I think anybody has seen this year um, in in such a a film, a f- kind of feel good but realistic film. It's not really depressive, nor is it really optimistic. It's like this is the situation. This is how people navigate those situations, um, and we can find both beauty in that and in in learning that. And so, yeah, man, I enjoyed. Come on, come on, a lot. Um, and I hope other people get to see this film. I know it's. Like I said, low key, and it's not a lot of people's like bread and butter to go after a movie like this. Um, but I, I really hope people get the chance to see it. Come on, come on! Certainly an extraordinary, extraordinary film. Uh, this has become one of my favorites of this year, and it's certainly a testament to just like the work that Mike Nils did here, and just the acting across the board. It's just really phenomenal. I was, I was really, I was really transfixed by everything that was happening on the screen, and I was just so pleased to go see a movie that I was excited about and walk out to be to be happily uh, pleased, and expectations were met as well. And this movie is about parenting, right? And we we've seen a lot of parenting movies. We even see a lot of movies about fatherhood. You know, there's 
there's there's films like Boyhood or about a boy or you know even even if you look at like comedy films like Big Daddy or mm-hmm. you know something we talked about earlier this year with Kevin Hart's film Fatherhood like there's there's movies about fathers raising children uh, this is a bit of a different situation as you mentioned because you have an uncle raising his nephew for for the time being due to uh, some some serious family trauma that's happening with his mm-hmm. sister and you get that aspect of a movie being about parenting but then I also discover like this is also kind of like a road trip movie as well because mm. there's multiple locations that are utilized in this film mm-hmm. um, Joaquin's character Jesse is playing a radio journalist in this film and so his job requires him to travel um, to excuse me not Jesse Johnny his character's name is Johnny and so his, his job requires him to travel to interview young children and in doing so um, in traveling he has to also take along his young nephew with him Jesse um, as you know his current guardian and you get to see you get to see that 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 dynamic of somebody who is still trying to protect his own self-interest but also is like wanting to be a very good guardian and a mm-hmm. very good protector for Jesse as well because this isn't a situation where Johnny's character is like a bad guy and he's like a terrible person and he doesn't <laughs> know how to really raise a child like he doesn't know how but he's willing to try and to put in the work mm-hmm. and the fact that we get to see that level of vulnerability from Joaquin is, is kind of surprising because he's known for taking these really dark and challenging roles that kind of challenge like ideas and concepts of masculinity you know you look at the master yeah. or joker or inherent vice like he does these really these really difficult roles and here you just get to see him be a guy and a very vulnerable and sweet and affectionate guy at that and he's trying and he wants to be present and he wants to be better for jesse as he's raising him and there's there's a lot of moments in this film where he as the current guardian in that situation has to go through the process of explaining difficult or complex ideas to a young child which Mm -hmm. is something that all parents and caretakers have to go through like how do you explain these very complex issues to a child who has to you know take that information and process it correctly and that that it's digestible and understandable for them so we get to see him work through that but then it's also about like healing and mending relationships too because in the film Johnny and his sister are not on good terms when it starts off. And his sister's played by Gabby, Gabby Hoffman. And they just have an extraordinary relationship here because they've been on really rocky ground ever since the passing of their mother. Mm-hmm. And so this experience in and of itself, Gabby Hoffman allowing her brother to to look over her son while she tends to her husband, uh, it, it allows a process for healing for both of them. And they've, they've, you know, throughout this film, they're in contact with each other more than they have been in the past few years and in that process they get to relate on something something that they haven't they haven't been able to do and so you get to see that healing occur between these two and i think ultimately it just like accumulates into this greater this greater appreciation for what parenting and caretaking looks like right like i know for myself not as a parent like it's often it's often just like something that goes over my head and i don't really consider it or think about it but then when you see a film like this it reminds you of how difficult it can be and how you know the idea that like nobody knows what they're really doing you're just kind of figuring it out as you go along is a very real thing for so many people um and then on the flip side of it with woody norman you know you talked about just the extraordinary performance here it's it's terrific everything that he brings to this role i think that you get you get the 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 real vulnerability from Joaquin's end, mm-hmm. but then you also get this uh, this resiliency that Woody Norman's character Jesse has to face because he's dealing with all of this baggage as well. Like his father is in a very troubling situation. His mother is somewhat absent, and now he has to start this relationship with his uncle from scratch, essentially. And so he's sort of 
having to 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 to, to face this very serious trauma and still have to have a a level of resiliency to him. And mm-hmm. I think that that is not understated in this movie, and we get to see that you know um, sort of brought to the forefront over and over. And everybody a part of this. I mean, it's just a bunch of terri- terrific performances across the board. And the other two things that I quickly just want to mention about it. Uh, one, the cinematography of this film is just absolutely gorgeous. This film completely in black and white. And the characters, you know, are not only the the main fixtures of the movie, but the cities that are featured here also become characters. They travel to Detroit and L.A. and New York and New Orleans, and they all look distinct as they, you know, obviously are in real life. But the way that they're brought to life on camera with the black and white cinematography is just really gorgeous Mm -hmm. and it also helps kind of highlight them but also still make them a little bit understated in a way so that they don't dominate the story like you get the sense that you're in new york you obviously can see that you're in new orleans like those Mm -hmm. characteristics of those cities shine through but they're almost understated because they're filmed in black and white so that the characters you know like joaquin and woody norman can still be at the forefront of everything that's happening with them um not so much that the city is like happening to them and then the last thing that i'll say is that this film is also sprinkled with Real interviews that happen with real children um, throughout this film, as I mentioned, Johnny, he is a radio journalist. And so throughout the film, he's interviewing a lot of children about what their thoughts are about the future in their respective communities. And I just found it so impressive that they use that as like a storytelling device to allow for these moments for us as an audience to almost just like ruminate on their responses and what those ideas and things mean like what does the future look like are we optimistic about it are we pessimistic about it do we think that the world's going to end and to hear it all come through the perspective of young children who are you know probably the ages of 14 and under it's just something you don't see that often especially because these are real children and these are their unfiltered responses as well and i just thought that that was a brilliant way to help like ground everything as we're seeing the story unfold because the world is really seen, you know, through the eyes of children in a lot of respects. Like they are the future always as, as things continue to move forward. So I just really appreciated that 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 sort of nod that, that Mike Neal's added to this. But overall, again, extraordinary film, one of my favorites of this year, definitely in my top ten. I can't recommend it enough. You know, I it, it probably wouldn't be everybody's cup of tea, but I think if you're looking for a feel-good movie, if you're looking for an affectionate story that has vulnerability and just like something that's a little bit more realistic and has that grounded nature to it, this is something that you'll enjoy for sure absolutely and it's just a cute movie (laughs) as simple as that it's like one of those like if they actually uh uh slap like a feel good disney sticker on it i'd be like well they're not that wrong (laughs) um because i I, it really is just one of those man i think that that made me kind of smile kind of movies um and i think we need not necessarily we need more of those but uh it's something that everybody can look forward to i think um in watching it so yeah yeah, and just to close out here, um, to to circle back to Joaquin, uh, he, it's just it's it's really it's really astounding, just like what he's doing. He he's truly defined himself as like the actor of this generation in so many respects. Obviously, coming fresh off an Academy Award win, don't know if he'll be nominated or recognized here. Perhaps there's still you know time left to tell, but. He turns in just another incredible performance that's just so different than everything he's done before. And so um, it's easy for a film like this to have the have the spotlight stolen by the by the young child prodigy who we've never seen before, who's incredibly cute, incredibly intelligent, has these meaningful responses. But Joaquin Phoenix is right there with him as well. And they yep. both just work incredibly well together. So mm-hmm. all in all, great film. Definitely encourage folks to go out and see it. But if you've seen Come On, Come On, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and transition to our next film. 
film that we have to review, a new film that just debuted on Netflix that's getting a lot of attention from critics and viewers alike, The Power of the Dog. Twenty-five years since our first run together. Nineteen hundred and nothing. It's a long time. What you doing? Getting mixed up with her. You are marvelous, Rose. We were married someday. I did, sir. Well, Brother Phil? Open up the gate, let him out. You sure he's not ready? Go on, let him out. Another man. <laughs> A man was made by patience and the odds against him. For what kind of man would I be if I did not help my mother? Peter! If I did not save her. Some place out here, Pete. Unless you get in the swing of things. Now, this film is written and directed by Jane Campion, and it's starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst, Jesse Plemons, Cody Smith McPhee, Thomas and McKenzie, Genevieve Lemon, Keith Carradine, and Francis Conroy. So, as I mentioned, The Power of the Dog has been getting a lot of attention from critics in particular. It had its world premiere at the 78th Venice International Film Festival back in September. And if anybody's on film Twitter, I know we are. We've probably been seeing a lot of reactions and a lot of responses to what this film um, is, what it means, what it could look like when award season comes and so we both got a chance to finally check this out so with that said man what did you think about the power of the dog it it's kind of crazy i don't know why i've never imagined benedict cumberbatch in anything cowboy <laughs> like that is just not something that came to the top of mind i think um and seeing power of the dog also made me realize uh even though you know i knew before but like damn benedict cumberbatch is good <laughs> this boy is just really cold um but Power of the Dog is a very uh, uh, interesting and complicated movie um, in a lot of different ways. There's like so much going on and nothing going on all at the same time. It's kind of really crazy, uh, but it's 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 a lot of romance and power and fragility, and it, it made for uh, an interesting watch. Um, it, this really does take place, uh, I think, what like 1925. Uh, and it's about two brothers who are very wealthy ranchers. Um, we got our boy Jesse Plemons, aka Meth Damon, is in this thing. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> Him and Benedict Cumberbatch um, are the brothers again that, that own this ranch. And Jesse Plemons' character falls in love, and that comes with another small family 
<laughs> uh, that becomes attached, attached to this big uh, Burbank family. Um, and there's a lot going on, man. There's a lot going on. But what one of the things I love about this film so much, I have to say first and foremost, is the cinematography. It looks great. It really, I I think this will get a a, a nod um, at the Academy Awards for cinematography, and I think it will also get a nod for the music that is present because I think the score was amazing. Like there were just moments where there's no words, but the score was so good, you knew exactly what was being conveyed, uh, and it 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 made for um, a good time. But overall, the power of the dog probably is for me isn't as it's not as powerful as I thought it was going to be going into it because of such of the rave reviews that I heard. Um, but it is really, really good. Um, it's also, it doesn't feel like a traditional movie in the fact that the way, the way the chapters are broken, right. We're used to act one, act two, act three. This was like what, five chapters, I think, or, or, or something like that. Um, and it, it, it really becomes a movie where by the end of it, you you understand what's happening potentially but it, it i love how open-ended it is i think um and i think i think people also <laughs> enjoy how open-ended it is but it's it's an elegant western drama which we just got a western to you know uh, a couple weeks ago um mm-hmm. and, it, and it really is a slow burner it grabs you um and and doesn't really let you go to the end but it really is benedict cumberbatch i think for me uh his his performance really does carry this film and it's great seeing kirsten dunst here too just doing anything really uh i think i think her performance either you'll really like kirsten dunst's performance or you might not like i don't think there'll be a medium for some people um some people are going to say they didn't get she didn't give her enough but for me i think what this film is and how women are portrayed at this or, or you know uh were expected to be in, in this time this 1925 year uh, I think she did and also did an excellent job um, personally, but I can see why people say it's one of the year's best. It's just probably not one of my favorites of the year. Um, and, you know, and that being said, it's it's cool. It's cool. It's a good movie. Not great for me, but I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. And so uh, I'll, I'll leave it there, man. The power of the dog is not a traditional Western in, in the sense that you're not going to come into this movie and find a tale where, you got cowboys just riding across the old west on top of horses and they're looking for revenge like this is not that type of story at all it's actually so surprising to me when i watched this movie because i didn't expect what i got and mm-hmm. what surprised me is how quiet the film is but it's also incredibly angry all the time like the subtext and the undertones are just incredibly angry and that's all anchored by the performance of benedict cumberbatch who is going completely in villain mode in this movie which we haven't truly seen from him ever since he was Khan in star trek into darkness or mm-hmm. even uh the dragon in the hobbit uh prequel films that they did i mean he's an asshole in doctor strange but he's still a hero right. but he's just like a fully just really unlikable person in this movie <laughs> in, in all respects i mean but he's so chilling and his performance is just so stoic a lot of the times and he's using this oppressive just almost this oppressive 
presence that he has in any room to intimidate other people and anytime he's around in a scene you can just feel the weight of his presence and how that how that weighs other folks down especially Kirsten Dunst's character in this movie and just he's just menacing in every part that he's in and so he for me as well as the part that I enjoyed the most out of this movie this is this is going to be a front runner at the Academy Awards I have no doubt like it's going to get multiple nominations four five six seven like it's gonna get direction cinematography acting music as you mentioned set design production design uh costumes all of that stuff like it's gonna it's gonna be one of the year's front runners i have no doubt um but i you know i agree with you that in the sense that you know the movie is it is a slow burn it's an incredible slow burn and Mm -hmm. sometimes i like that sometimes it works for me other times it doesn't always work for me because I think what this movie does is that it lingers on a lot of its scenes for a very long time and for for many folks that just might not work and it also doesn't always use dialogue to tell the story that it's trying to convey a lot of the times it's just using body language or certain glances and gazes between characters and other nonverbal cues to help tell mm-hmm. its story. And for that, for, for me, that's stuff that I definitely found interesting because you have to really pay attention to everything that's happening on screen. Because if you just look away or if you're distracted, because this movie is on Netflix, if you look away, you will miss something. And I noticed that happened for me a lot. I rewound this movie probably like six or seven different times because <laughs> something mm-hmm. would happen and I'd be like, wait a second, how did how do we get here? Things just occur in this mm-hmm. world. And I do like that because that's just a sense of realism that we don't often see. A lot of times in movies, because they are they are dramatic in nature, we build up to things. There's a level of anticipation. You know, there's there's all of these events that lead to the the, the big climax, right? Life doesn't work that way. And this is very much like a portrait and a reflection of life, right? And so I like that sense of realism, but at the end of the day, to be honest, like as well made as it is, as beautifully directed as it is, and mm-hmm. as incredible the performances are from everybody involved, you know, between Benedict and Kirsten and even Jesse Plemons and, you know, uh, Jody Smith McPhee, like everybody here is just on top of their their game. Cody Smith McPhee, excuse me. Um, I, I it, You know, it just won't work for everybody, you know, at the end of it, because you're left with something at the end that's a shocking and dark twist mm-hmm. that's somewhat open ended, but not really. You're mm-hmm. kind of left to ponder what the conclusion is and what it all means and why certain characters, you know, did some of the things that they did. Um, what did work for me is the fact that you, you have to exist and live within this hostile environment for two hours. But I think the movie just moves at such a slow pace and it lingers on things for such a long time that it can just become very easy to be get di- disengaged by, by what's happening. And, and, and this is not going to be a film for everybody. You know, I think that this is something that critics can obviously eat up, which they are. And then on the flip side, you'll have just, you know, regular casual fans and viewers who want to tune into it to see what it's about because there, there is some, you know, a level of star power here. But they might watch it and just think like, oh, well, well, what's the point of all of this? Where, mm-hmm. where, where, where are we going? Like, what is the story truly trying to tell me? Because the story is, it's a loose story at best, if I, if I were to be honest about it. Like, there's a story there for sure, but it's a very yeah. loose story. It's more mm-hmm. about the circumstances of the, of the situation happening. Um, and, and some people can possibly read that as pretentious, maybe. You know, mm-hmm. Jane Campion is a very accomplished filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Um, she hasn't made a film in 13 years. You know, she she's notorious for taking her time. Academy Award nominated filmmaker, of course. So it can be viewed as pretentious. Um, I, I wouldn't go that far as to say that, but I think it's just something that has to be looked at with a different perspective and a different lens. Um, and it just might not be for everybody, which is okay as well, but Benedict's here, man. I mean, he's just... Boy. I'm I'm just I'm just really I'm really astounded by everything he did here because we we haven't seen him like this like you mentioned having him 
portray a cowboy in the old west or you know just be in this environment it's just not it's just not what we're used to we're we're just used to seeing him play very clean cut types of roles where he's mm-hmm. you know very much in command very much in charge but here the way that he's in charge is in a very dark and disturbing way so much so that like the toxic masculinity is just overflowing you know throughout <laughs> this entire movie so mm-hmm. um for that alone i would recommend it from that perspective because again it will come back up in the conversation when the academy awards roll around so if you're into that sort of thing this is something that's going to be talked about and you should probably just check out to be to be aware of what's going on i've never seen such a uh I think all the way depiction of a cowboy. I mean, like this dude will cut the cattle's balls if he wants to. He braids ropes. He My God. Th- throws mud on himself in the freaking water. He, I don't know, be riding freaking horses across the lake. I just never seen such a cowboy cowboy in my life. And I, I I love how like they use that as a part of his villain arc though too. It's like yeah, he's too much of a cowboy. Why is he like this? And it's like, oh, this is why. I thought that was cool too, um, aspect of the film. Because a lot of people yeah. don't go like, no, this is a cowboy's cowboy. It's like, damn, <laughs> this dude is going crazy. Yeah, he leans completely all the way into that 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 hyper masculine idea of like what it means to be mm-hmm. a cowboy. Like he's supposed to be in charge. He's supposed to be, you know, the 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 one who commands the wills of the people around him. He doesn't bathe if he doesn't want to because he doesn't mm-hmm. have to uphold and live by the by the societal standards of people around him. Like no, he lives how he wants to live. And uh it's an interesting, you know, sort of arc to see him go on and to see how that all transpires and and how that, you know, sometimes works against against him and mm-hmm. you know, there's also you know there's a piece of it that kind of plays with like gender concepts as well in the movie again another piece of it that i didn't catch the first time but i had to go back and look and i'm like wait are they trying to tell me something here mm-hmm. like but it's so open-ended you just don't know you're kind of left you know uh, with your own devices to figure out what these these very subtle nods at gender and 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 sexual orientation and preference like what does that mm-hmm. stuff really mean because yeah. it's not bold and in your face it's just kind of there and then you move on to the next thing um so i think that this is something that could absolutely be very rewarding on multiple viewings like mm-hmm. if we were to go back and watch this you know a second or third time yeah. i'm sure that there would be stuff that i i would pick up and catch that i didn't catch the first time so i agree um definitely something that that's a little bit more rich in that way so those are our thoughts on the power of the dog if you've checked out this film definitely hit us up and let us know what you think let's go ahead and move on and talk about the next thing that just debuted on netflix a new limited series in fact true story please welcome to the stage one of Hollywood's brightest stars, Philadelphia's own, The Kid! The brother and his crew, they're backstage. This is when Carl starts to become Carl. This is a toast to my little brother. Always got my back. Must be nice to be a celebrity. What's the problem? What's the fucking problem? Situation. What was the situation? Pardon me, sir. These detectives would like to speak with you. Seven hours ago, you the biggest motherfucker since Eddie. Now you about to be the most scandalous. What else are you doing that we don't know about? You in trouble or you on the run from the law? We need you to come with us. Everything I worked hard for is over. It might be another way. I got this. Why is it that every time you tell me you got it, I feel like I get in more trouble? I'm a Sometimes people get tired of getting looked down on. Beware. 
Sometimes people get fed up with that shit. Now I got a lot more to lose than just my career. The next move better be a smart one. Let me tell you the truth is in the eyes, cause the eyes don't lie. Now, this series is created by Eric Newman, and all episodes were directed by Stephen Williams and Hanel Culpepper, and it's starring Kevin Hart, Wesley Snipes, Tawny Newsom, Paul Adelstein, Will Catlett, Chris Diamantopoulos, Billy Zane, Lauren London, Ash Santos, John Alice, and Theo Rossi. Now, True Story, again, as I mentioned, is a limited series, seven episodes that just debuted over the Thanksgiving weekend on Netflix, and I got a chance to go ahead and check this out recently to just bang it out because I heard a few people talking about it, and of course, Kevin Hart, Wesley Snipes, two very, very recognizable names. Obviously, Kevin Hart is still really, he's really kind of still in the prime of his career for the most part, one of the most popular celebrities in the world, of course, one of the most popular comedians. Wesley Snipes has famously been on a bit of a comeback tour in the past few years. He's done a lot of work. He was in Coming to America earlier this year, which we reviewed. He was in Dolomite Is My Name last year, and so he's been making a lot of ways recently as well. So I just wanted to go ahead and check out this limited series, and overall... I have to say that True Story was a fine limited series. It was okay. It was not great, but there is enough there to like to where I would absolutely recommend it because I think it's an easy watch, and I think that this is something that people will enjoy for the most part. And it's also an interesting story because you have Kevin Hart playing a a fictionalized version of himself, so to say. So in this story, he's playing a character named Kid who's an extremely famous celebrity, a very famous comedian who's also now a movie star, and he's doing a worldwide comedy tour fresh off of the heels of a billion-dollar grossing superhero film. So this is very much reflective of Kevin Hart's real life in many respects. And he has a tour stop in his hometown of Philadelphia, again, where Kevin Hart is originally from, and on this tour stop, he reunites with his brother, who's played by Wesley Snipes. Um, his character's name is Carlton. And Kid and Carlton, they get a chance to reunite and catch up when he's on this tour stop in Philadelphia. And they have a night out. They have a night out together. And this night out actually turns into a very chaotic night out for the two of them. And it also becomes a matter of life and death um, for Kevin Hart's character in particular. Um, he's one of the most famous comedians in the world and he ends up in a very 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 sticky situation won't get too much more into that i don't want to spoil the experience for people um, but it turns into a crime drama really really fast that's the type of story that we're telling here and overall it was fine i think that there's some stuff to like about it most notably the fact that kevin hart is playing sort of against type here yes he's playing a fictionalized version of himself a comedian but he's going for a very dramatic role here that's trying to carry some dramatic weight so that's a good thing to see him to continue to spread his wings which we saw earlier this year with the fatherhood film that he did i'm mm -hmm. um, doing something a little bit different from his comedic chops here he's leaning even more into that like there's there's a little comedy here, but it's barely there. Like this is pretty much a full-on dramatic role for Kevin Hart, and so I think that that's a that's that's a, a welcomed sort of change for him. The only thing about that is is that I think because he is playing a fictionalized version of of himself, I don't know how challenging it really is to actually lean into that because how hard is it to really play somebody that is so like you in in many respects? And I do get the sense that this is very much meant to be a commentary on the things that he's dealt with in his own personal life. Uh, there's an aspect to the story where he has an ex-wife. He's divorced his wife, but he has children. So there's co-parenting, which is, again, reflected in his real life. 
And there's also a, a, a sense that this might be a bit of an indictment on cancel culture or at least a commentary on cancel culture, which again, he's dealt with multiple times, you know, due, due to his own, you know, personal controversies, whether it was the, you know, the, um, the infidelity with his current wife that, that he publicly admitted to, or the situation with the Academy Awards a few years ago when he stepped down as the host because of previous homophobic comments that he made on Twitter. He's dealt with a lot publicly. And I think that this is leaning into that, 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 that commentary that's you know been swirling his career over the past few years. Mm. And how much can a celebrity actually get away with before they're quote unquote canceled or how much can they actually do underneath, you know, the the, the public eye mm-hmm. and still be welcomed and received warmly by all of their fans? And, you know, I think those are all really interesting ideas. I just feel like that this show doesn't take any of those concepts and actually goes deeper than mm-hmm. what's presented on the surface level. Mm-hmm. Um, it very much just kind of sticks within the realm of being a crime drama and kids character and Carlton's character things just progressively get worse and they just have to figure shit out and they consistently have to figure out problems and figure out ways to, to solve these next problems. And so you've seen this type of story before. It's nothing new in that respect. And so that's what kind of let me down that they didn't push it further mm-hmm. than where it went. Um, but what I will again, positively say Wesley Snipes is great here. I really, really enjoyed him. I think he was my favorite part of the show. Mm-hmm. He's playing a completely straight laced type of character, very much um, leaning into a dramatic role here as well similar to kevin which wesley has proved he can do you know he's done that millions of times before like wesley can kind of do it all he's done action and comedy and drama like he's a very very talented actor and so to see him come and sort of steal the show for me at least in this in this series i really enjoyed and i really enjoyed his character um and and i think that that for me kind of carried a lot of it just seeing the 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 sort of gradual descent into darkness that these that the that these two characters in particular have to go down because mm-hmm. of just these terrible circumstances uh as things unfold and it's it's hard to talk about it without spoiling it but i yeah. think um overall it's fine i just wish that more had been done with the story i wish that they would have you know pushed some of these themes further i also wish that the supporting cast had more to do they introduced you know several characters that just kind of just got left by the wayside very early on, mm-hmm. um, particularly Tawny Newsom. She kind of got left by the wayside early on. Um, so I just I, I just wanted to see more out of a few people there. So it's fine. It's just a traditional story that I think a lot of people have seen before. So it doesn't do anything new. But it's at least interesting enough in the fact that we're looking at like one of the most famous people in the world do somewhat of a self-examination mm. on himself as a real individual. Um it's just surface though, you know, so you can't, yeah. you can't really, I don't think you can really formulate that much of an opinion mm-hmm. about anything more than what we already know about Kevin Hart. Cause this doesn't offer up too much new in, in, in that respect, if that makes sense. So that's kind of where I'm at with true story at this point. Yeah. I just got to like the conflict in episode one. <laughs> so I'm almost done with episode one. Um, and I mean, everything you said makes sense. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to see that all play out. Uh, but I'm, I'm at least happy that people are capable of self-reflection, you know, like even though it may not go in depth as it should, it's like at least you care enough to actually sit down <laughs> and, you know, try to come up with something um, that that actually may not only mean something, again, for people, for us watching it, but I'm sure he he helped make it in a way that's like, yeah, this also helps me um in in whatever i have going through too um so that's cool and then also wesley snipes bro you know that's like my uh my not biological biological father so uh, 
<laughs> I'm, I'm just glad to see him around too and just acting again. Um, I, I can't wait to see more of what that dude's about to do um, as well because it's clear he's still got a lot of a lot of energy in him um, going on. Uh, even again from the little that I've seen in this show, I was like, dang, this dude is here. Wesley Snipes is here, um, and and that's cool too. But I'm gonna finish it soon. I, I, shoot, well, I'll, I'll see what I say. Uh, I'll see here in a sec with all the stuff you're talking about, man. But true story, true story. Yeah, the chemistry between those two is is what carries it, and 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 it's it's great to see Kevin and Wesley have such gimmick good chemistry with each other because if that didn't exist Mm -hmm. then the show would just be it would completely fall apart but their their chemistry works enough to keep you engaged and keep you entertained and they're playing brothers in the story um wesley like in real life is actually like 20 years older than kevin but Mm -hmm. you know black don't crack so it actually looks believable that they could be related funny enough because wesley still looks like really good kevin Mm -hmm. still looks really good so um it's actually a believable story that they would be related but um yeah you know i i want to see kevin hart continue to push himself in this direction um again i'm here for the dramatic turns i'm here for doing something outside of the comedy realm which he'll continue to do of course like do that stuff but i like that he's trying to spread his wings here i just want him to go further with it in the future like yeah if you're going to play a really dramatic role like let's see you go for something that's just not yourself do like it. how how hard is that to play right because mm-hmm. i think a lot of this is uh definitely reflecting his actual real life which you know would make you question some stuff by the end of it it's like oh well what has this man really done? What is he really responsible <laughs> like, for well, here? How much of that is real? Yeah, how much man. of that is real? I think I think a lot of this is uh, it's just so goofy. It's not. It, there's no way that mm-hmm. <laughs> that any of this stuff happened. But you know, it makes you think, and that that, that I think that's kind of the point of the show to get you talking, to get you wondering, like, oh, is this actually a true story? Um, Leonardo DiCaprio meme so we will have to see but those are my thoughts on true story if you've seen this limited series on Netflix definitely hit us up and let us know what you think let's go ahead and transition to another Netflix series season five of Big Mouth just debuted so let's go ahead and talk about a Big Mouth season five hey Maury my sister and I have decided two things one it's time to put our dad in a home and two we're having a threesome wow I think uh, both of those things are for the best A new assignment. Love is in the air, Bridgeton Middle. By season five, my best friend, little Nikki Birch, he had it bad for Jesse. I'm Walter, your love bug. Now, Jesse, she was busy too. You love her, honey. Hey, guys, I want to be part of this too. Oh, Connie. And then there was Missy. He's not the only one who can move, Missy. Watch this. See? Oh, stop it. And how could I forget Jay? Am I actually going to fight Lola for Jay? Fuck you, Jay! I hate you! I hate you! What the hell is that thing? I hate worms. (laughs) They're creatures that infect your soul. Fuck yeah! did you turn into such a bad bitch? Do you like? I've been on this hate diet all week. I just eat cookies and talk shit. You love each other. You hate each other. We really put these children through the rigor. I've been fucked over by every monster you've given me. This whole operation is a shit show. 
Hi, Nikki. How was school? How was staying home and being stupid? Oh, shut up. Fuck you. Eat shit. Oh, hello. Welcome to a very big mouth Christmas. We're going to have a couple laughs, sing a few songs, and we're going to make a promise to you that no other Christmas special can. Tonight, you're going to see Santa's... Oh, my God. Now, the series is created by Nick Kroll and Andrew Goldberg, Mark Levin, and Jennifer Flackett. It's starring Nick Kroll, John Mulaney, Maya Rudolph, Jesse Klein, Jason Manzoukas, Jenny Slate, and Jordan Peele. So you got a chance to go ahead and check out Season 5 of Big Mouth, one of Netflix's longest-running series at this point, and one of their most successful. Go ahead and tell the people, man, what did you think about Season 5 of Big Mouth? I mean, the seasons speak for themselves. Season 6 is already happening. It's, like, already a thing, y'all. Big Mouth is just easily one of the most consistent um, adult cartoon shows in existence right now. Um, it's right there, in my opinion, with Rick and Morty. I love Rick and Morty. Um, and it's it's good having something like Big Mouth and Rick and Morty going back and forth in different ways. They do different things. Uh, and it's just as witty. It's just as creative as ever. Um, people know well-known Big Mouth for always introducing new monsters into the adolescence of these kids. There was the hormone monsters in like the first, the early seasons. Then they introduced the shame wizard. Now in this season, we have just got, uh, well, the, the themes of the season is love and hate. And so they introduced the love bugs and the hate worms. And not only can you switch between love and hate as a person, but even even the the, the creatures can change themselves. The love bugs and, and, and hate worms can shift between the two forms as well. And it just makes a whole nother season of, again, uh, witty and creative uh, comedy, to be honest. There's a, there's, there's a lot going on, but it's all still very, very, very funny. Um, one of the hate worms uh, is, is now played by Kiki Palmer. Kiki, stay with a job, Palmer. Who makes her way into into Big Mouth season five, man? Um, it's just all really enjoyable and as funny as it has been. Um, I'm not gonna say too much. I'm just keep it short. Uh, but check out Big Mouth season five. It's it's still just really good, and it it it, it just surprises me um, that Nick Kroll and John Mulaney um, or Andrew Goldberg can continuously uh, come up with with things to I don't know to talk about. But in in it. it that's how growing up really was, though, right? As these people, as these characters get older, the comedy is maturing with the show. As the characters are maturing, it's it's just really good content, and I really don't see them running out. Like I really see them pushing this through until high school, like maybe season eight or whatever is the last season. I see that happening um, because there's always something. Uh, to talk about uh, as real life, man. But everyone still does amazing here, man. Maya Rudolph is still one of the funniest people in the show. How can she not be? Um, Tandy Newton, again, is one of the hormone monsters. She still gets more. Uh, she gets a little more uh, acting chops here, too, um, voice acting-wise, of course. But, man, it's 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 good, and it's funny. And just watch it. It's, it's, it's great. I mean, listen, it's tough to pull off consistently successful seasons of adult animated comedies i mean you, we, we've had really long-running ones they, they traditionally are long-running series like whether it's family guy or futurama mm-hmm. or south park or you know like you mentioned ricky morty now is on the same path the similar path i should say uh there there, there has to be just so much pressure in delivering each and every season mm-hmm. to the, the expectations of what's already happened because big mouth has 
a massive following. It's incredibly successful and popular for Netflix. And so the fact that they've been able to keep up and maintain this, this certain level of quality for five seasons now and to drop essentially every year is is really impressive, right? And so I think that at some point, like all of these series, they they find they find those 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 specific points in times where things kind of dip down a little bit, like the quality mm-hmm. might might suffer a little bit, but what's always made them sustain is the fact that even though it might dip gradually here, you know, here and there, it never becomes so debilitating to the fact that like they have to completely go away and that mm-hmm. pe- people don't want to watch them anymore. I mean, Futurama was on for like what, 10 seasons? Like that yeah. went for a long time. Mm-hmm. Obviously like these other shows like Family Guy and South Park are still running. Simpsons is somehow what, still on TV. Whatever that's about. Who's watching The Simpsons? We need to have yeah. that conversation someday. Like, who, I don't know. Who's watching it? <laughs> They're literally older than me. I, I just don't, I don't understand, <laughs> but it's still here. Uh, Big Mouth, like, again, already on season five, which is crazy because I, I remember when the show started, but mm-hmm. to your point, it seems like that this is something that can just continue. Like, there, 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 there's no there's no way to slow it down at this point. The steam is just, like, continue to push it forward, so I'm excited to see it continue to just, like, grow into this bigger and bigger thing each and every year when they drop a new season because it just seems like that there's still more more ideas and more celebrities want to become involved with it like yeah. you're getting these these cameos coming in doing these like you know small character bits here and there um which can also gradually grow over time so even the general public like there's a fan base there and people want to work on the show so it all it all seems like you know very positive signs for for just like the future of what what holds for big mouth absolutely man i i i think season six is of course, it seems to get bigger every season, but like the way season five ended, um, I think they have a chance to switch some things up a little bit because season five did feel very conclusionish in some ways. Like they could have ended the show season five, and I would like, I'd be like, oh, okay, that's fine. But knowing that season six is coming, it's like, all right, it's something something new is about to go down, and uh, I'm, I'm interested to see exactly what that is. Um, but yeah, man, good stuff. Absolutely. Well, if you've checked out season five of Big Mouth, hit us up and let us know what you think about it. And let's go ahead and round out our reviews for the, for this week. You got a chance to go ahead and finish season one of Arcane. This city was founded to be a bastion of enlightenment. We are the city of progress, and our future is bright. We were once one tribe. Now we are houses divided. As time passes, the topsiders are leaving us further and further behind. There's never enough to go round. It can either break you or forge you into something greater. Hi. I need to speak with one of the inmates. Who are you? I have to try and find my sister. Powder? Hi? There are people down there, hell-bent on destroying us. The only way to defeat Topside is to stop at nothing. We should prepare our own countermeasures. Imagining yourself a hero. I'm afraid this will be a very short reunion. You talk too much. 
What do you got to tell the people about everything that happened as you got a chance to finish out the series that we just talked about a couple weeks ago? Y'all, it has been, this is going to sound over the top, but I'm saying it. Arcane is perfect. It is a perfect wow tv show it is and the animation is perfect the story is perfect the 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 moving from from uh, a video game that has been around over a decade into a tv show fan service amount is perfect because it's like not a lot but there is and it's, it's the balance is there you don't even have to have ever played league of legends it is just that good of a series for me it as much as i love um, of anime and all it's been a long time since I've seen an American cartoon take themselves so seriously and take their time to make something that is supposed to knock your socks off in different ways I mean the score is amazing the 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 emotions on the character's face is really that good it's like what uh they there's moments where they don't have to say anything you know exactly what's going down it's just i haven't i haven't felt that for animation i haven't felt this strongly about an american cartoon um again cartoon tv show not movie because you know how i feel about spider-verse and you know some some things like that but as far as i haven't felt this way since probably like a a avatar last airbender um Mm. where it's like no this is my shit (laughs) <laughs> it's like nah this is my shit and arcane really does i think fill that void a little bit there are other good cartoons that are out right like normal cartoon network cartoons but again in terms of something that you can kind of binge and uh it's actually for adults too there's a lot of stuff in arcane that you're like oh maybe my child shouldn't watch this like it gets dark um, and even as a League of Legends player, I didn't expect that. I just expected it to for them to stoop down to a slightly more childish level, but they didn't. They kept that same energy the entire TV show. There's a lot of dark themes. People die. I'm gonna show you that right now. People, there are people that do not live in this TV show, um, and it it's it is very reflective of kind of how the video game lore is and and things like that, man. But I I, I really had to come back and say, Arcane is is it. Like, if you haven't watched Arcane, watch this TV show. Um, it's, again, it's the it's the, the the thing that happened to dethrone Squid Game. Sure, it might not have done the numbers uh, as Squid Game, but it, it still um, had enough push behind it for people to start watching that, you know, more than they did Squid Game. And I think that's also kind of important indicator of how good this TV show really is, man. So if you even if you don't like animation, I don't care. Because <laughs> it's really just such an adult TV show with that just happens to be animated, right? It just happens to have fantasy-like themes. Imagine if like Game of Thrones decided to never was a real thing, decided to be animated. The, the story's so good, people would still love Game of Thrones. You know what I mean? And I think I think Arcane that really does hold true. Um, so yeah, man. I, again, had to revisit it. It, it, it. Check it out if you haven't yet. Perfection is high praise, but this has been something that's been consistently said amongst many viewers of this show. I've seen I've seen lots of perfects, masterpieces, ten out of tens, like 
So I'm not really that surprised to hear you say it. I still have to finish it myself, but this 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 seems to touch a chord, uh, strike a chord with a lot of viewers just for mm-hmm. the the subject matter, the fact that it's you know doing this incredible world building based off of this you know this well known game. But I think it's also the fact that like you're able to introduce this new world to a generation of people who probably just aren't that familiar with League of Legends as we you know previously talked about, and you're getting you know elements of fantasy and steampunk and sci-fi and all these different concepts and. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, animation is in a really, really, really great place right now between film and TV. And so the fact that Netflix has struck something special here with, with Arcane and they've already greenlit season two obviously just reflects that there is an incredible, incredible excitement around this show. So I can't wait to finish it myself, but Hey, there's no higher recommendation than that. So if you haven't seen it, I mean, there's really nothing else we can say. Um, Yeah, but it's out there. So definitely if you've not seen arcane, go ahead and check that out. But if you have hit us up and let us know what you think. And with that said, we are done with our reviews for this week. So let's go ahead and transition to the news of the week. We're going to go from one piece of animation to another, because in fact, we have finally gotten a first look, a sneak peek at the next Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse film, the sequel, in fact, which will be called Across the Spider-Verse. And not only did we get our first look, we also found out that this, this is a part one of a two-part story, and part one is going to be dropping October 7th, 2022, and part two will come time come out sometime in 2023 so we've absolutely been waiting to figure out something about this movie we've only gotten small tidbits of information we know that Issa Rae is going to be playing Spider-Woman in the film we know Oscar Isaac is returning in the role of Spider-Man 2099 which we obviously got a look and a sneak peek at that character in this in this first look but they debuted this footage at CCXP which is a Brazilian comic-con event and they showed off about two and a half minutes of footage for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse for the first about minute we get a returning Gwen Stacy from her universe visiting Miles in his um, in his uh, you know dorm room or his apartment room I should say at his home and he's just listening to music but they're catching up really quickly and she's like yeah you know come with me like we we got to go check out something and they are both visibly older so they have aged up these characters and then from there for like the next 30 45 seconds we just see Miles visiting and traversing other multiverses other universes outside of his own Mm -hmm. and we then get the appearance of spider-man 2099 so it's a lot happening visually but it's giving us a small small glimpse and a small taste of what we can expect out of this two-part story which again i don't think any of us were prepared to find out but (laughs) man boy i was i was very pleasantly surprised by that news i'm very excited that they're doing that we know that animation takes an incredibly long time to to curate and to you know master and perfect especially what they're doing in those movies it's mm-hmm. it's animation unlike anything we've seen so the fact that they're just banging out two at the same time i'm like that that's so smart like yeah you know why put out one movie and then we have to wait another four or five years for the next one it's like no we're gonna give y'all a two-part sequel they're coming out a year part that's fantastic especially because of how just tremendous that first film is and i just can't wait for all the surprises can't wait to see some hopefully returning characters from the first one and then anybody else new that we'll come in contact with but it's just a it's just unlimited set of potential possibilities here just on you know dealing with this multiverse man it's just it's really exciting to see so i can't wait man spider-verse is gonna be it's gonna be dope hey sunflower is like legit this dude's favorite song because they aged up and he's still listening to this song i was like dang bro like how long you been listening to sunflower that's a good song but like geez get you some i don't know my boy from brooklyn they they still working on that second soundtrack (laughs) right um but man so 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 excited that whole sequence when they do go into 
um, a, a different universe and the animation changes just slightly. And you do see Miguel O'Hara, a.k.a. Spider-Man 2099. It just looks so freaking good to me, man. It it One thing about animation I think that we always undermine is like the creativity of creativity. Does that make sense? It's like actually making something new and is something different than just making it look good. That's like, sure, it, one may come with the other, but it really is just two different things, actually. Because somebody can sit down right now and go make, I don't know, a movie that looks like The Iron Giant, right? But when The Iron Giant came out, everyone's like, what the hell is this? You know what I mean? And now Spider-Man is kind of, again, is doing the same thing. It's like, this animation style is so different and so unique and so new. And the creation of that is so impressive for me. Um, being able to see something that's that's just so uh, so different, but still stays in that that two D realm of greatness um, that I think we all appreciate in animation, man. But uh, like you said, I'm excited to see everything come out of this. Social media is hilarious. There's been so many comments and things. Why is his hair gotten looser? In why I was like, uh, y'all can't be mad because my boy decided to pick up some conditioner, bro. Or like, you can't. <laughs> wow, as if we never change our hair. What, like what? Like it's it's it, it, it just got to stay the same for our our entire lives. Yeah, man. Um, I think uh, yeah, that's just whatever. People are gonna be people. Uh, but yeah, excited. Of course, clearly, I'm I'm ready for both part one and part two. We'll be there. Simple as that. I mean, what a vote of confidence from Sony Animation to be like, yeah, we're just gonna make two of them. Um, like, just go ahead and go go for it. Mm-hmm. We're gonna tell, we're tell it's a, it's incredibly ambitious. Um, but they're working hard on them at the same time here, and uh, yeah, just love it, man. There, there's they're just pushing the boundaries over there, and so obviously that first film just like hit us like a ton of bricks and you know became the best spider-man film we've ever seen and so they obviously have some very high expectations to follow up with but we will absolutely been waiting in anticipation um in other marvel news with the worst kept secret in hollywood we just found out (laughs) that kevin feige has officially confirmed that charlie cox if he were to be in the mcu he will be the one to reprise his role as matt murdoch also known as daredevil no Um, you don't say <laughs> well you know um uh, listen there this is this is something we've known duh like of course of course you know I, I think that we've been talking about this for about a year now with all of the rumors surrounding spider-man no way home mm-hmm. i'm more interested in why now that's what i'm interested in it's like obviously he's coming back i know why um now. <laughs> and 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 of course like the idea of like, oh, well, if, if, if we were to do Daredevil, well, if. you know, th- th- there's no way they would even speak it publicly if they weren't planning to do Daredevil. Um, and there were also just like recently reports that they're they're moving forward with a Daredevil project at Marvel Studios. But the now and the timing of this is um, conspicuous mm-hmm. uh-huh. uh, at best. There's two, there's two possibilities here, mm-hmm. um, and both could be true, right? Spider-Man No Way Home comes out next week, so there's that, right? Like, that's right in our face, that that's a, that's a thing and that's a possibility. So it's like, well, let's just go ahead and get ahead of it. Stuff is leaked. People have been talking about it. So mm-hmm. let's just go ahead and say something. When people get to the theater, this is only just going to reaffirm what they expect. But then also the second possibility is that we have a new episode of Hawkeye coming this uh-huh. week. Aha! That's the one. <laughs> that's and the so, one. Uh, 
I think that it's probably more so in relationship to that than Spider-Man. Because uh, if you've been listening to our Hawkeye episode recaps, we've been talking at length about Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin and what that may mean um, and his appearance possibly in that show. And so I think that that more so has to be what it is. I think that we're probably going to see something in this week's episode of Hawkeye, which will uh, go ahead and just completely let the cat out the bag as to what's going on here. And that all will be revealed shortly enough. But we'll obviously be back to talk about Hawkeye. But that's that's why I think he said it now. Like mm-hmm. at, he, he just decided to go ahead and say, like, now's the time to say something. Yeah. Um, so that's really what it has to be. Yeah, I think this is also for the casuals a little bit, too, who aren't as uh, in tuned with movie news and two black nerds and, you know what I mean, things like that, um, who who just just maybe don't understand what's happening in Hawkeye. You know what I mean? Like, they just maybe just don't get it enough. That way, when Hawkeye comes out, they're like, oh, okay, this is what's going down. Um, and so I get it, man. I think, uh, yeah, I think you, 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 you kind of just have to do that for the, casual, for the casual viewer, man, because I can imagine not knowing... I don't know much of anything, and I'm watching Hawkeye, and it's supposed to be this big reveal, and I'm like, okay, but what does that mean for Daredevil? And having to ask that question, you know, um, and I and and now we don't, they don't have to go through that. <laughs> they don't have to go through. Oh my God, Marvel is Daredevil coming back? Is Daredevil going to be a blah 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 blah? Now again, here we are. Um, I think again in the past it would have been reversed, right? Like Spider Verse would have, uh, not Spider Verse, but um, No Way Home would have already been out. They wouldn't have to have done all this, but they do kind of got to move differently with these things being so close together. Um, So, yeah, I think what's what's also funny, this also confirms nothing, but also still interested in this dang Stark Tower, bro. I can't lie to you. I I feel like my theory (laughs) is on to something. He might be. But Might be. Listen, we'll, listen to our last Hawkeye recap hey, to hear that theory. Um, we'll figure it yeah. out. But yeah, man, I, uh, I, I, I get it. I get it. Simple as that. Yeah. I, two quick things I just mentioned on this. Um, one, as we've been stating with also the the potential of Wilson Fisk, aka Kingpin, appearing in Hawkeye, played by Vincent D'Onofrio. For these two characters in particular, I don't think that this means that the Daredevil show that we saw on Netflix now is canon in the mm-hmm. MCU. I don't think that's what that means. I think that this is simply a situation of taking these two characters, or excuse me, these two actors who portrayed these characters in the past, yes, mm-hmm. but there's going to be a bit of a reimagining to mm-hmm. what we've seen. I mean, reimaginings and reboots happen every other day now in Hollywood. And so yeah. I think that this is just like the same thing. It's just taking two people who've already portrayed these roles because they're so beloved, mm-hmm. and then they're going to reimagine Netflix. Netflix Netflix. Uh, they're going to reimagine Daredevil and Kingpin for the MCU as opposed to what we saw in the Marvel Netflix shows. Could be wrong about that. Could be very, very wrong. But that's my suspicion because Marvel Studios had nothing to do with those Netflix shows. The second quick thing that I'll mention is that we cannot forget that Daredevil's probably going to pop up in She-Hulk as well. I think yes. that's going to happen. Yeah, because uh-huh. there's obviously... I Mm-hmm. attorney lawyer relationship aspect to that mm, show as yes. well and so mm-hmm. um the reports have been saying that we're gonna see charlie cox appear in numerous projects it, spider-man no way home and she hulk and his own series and maybe even potentially hawkeye is still on the table so there's a lot there's a lot to still figure out but as he said kevin feige said it himself i think all will be revealed here very very soon within the next like week or two so we'll see 
Um, in other news, we just found out that there is a reboot happening for White Man Can't Jump and the director Cal Matic, who just recently wrapped production on the House Party reboot, has been tapped as the director for the reboot of the 90s sports comedy. So, um, speaking of reimaginings and reboots, uh, here's another mm. one for everybody. Uh, White Man Can't Jump, Yay. old school movie. Um, <laughs> 90s classic if you ask me right yeah. very funny movie wesley was at the top of his game at that point it kind of launched woody harrelson's career obviously they were a great duo in that film had great chemistry so much so that they did another movie like years later money train it's not as good but i still enjoy it but um yeah we're doing a white man can't jump reboot along with everything else in hollywood uh i listen i don't really feel anything i don't i don't have any thoughts on this to be honest with you it's happening will i watch it maybe not I might. There's a real chance I might not watch it just because I'm not interested in in a movie that's perfectly fine and right there. That's just in my collection. I could watch it any time. But I'm not surprised. They're rebooting everything, and no idea in Hollywood at this point is getting greenlit unless it's based off of something that's already familiar, a familiar IP. That's what gets greenlit now, you know. So it's obviously a business and strategic move, and you know, Calmatic as a director, I'm not familiar with anything he's done, to be honest, and so when this House Party reboot comes out, if I do decide to watch it, that'll be my first indicator of how he is as a filmmaker, but he obviously has the chops to do something, to take something that's beloved from a previous generation of the early 90s and translate it for a new generation now, so seemingly, he might be a good fit. Uh, otherwise, it's happening, it is what it is. Yeah, I... Uh, boy, y'all know my stance. If it ain't technology induced, why are we here? Um, again, these are classics, bro. White man can't jump. House party. Uh, I just don't get it. Matilda, what? Okay. Uh, it. Yeah. Whatever. I guess I don't. I don't have much to say. It just doesn't make any sense to me. But I. I'm gonna watch House Party when it comes out. Like like you said, I kind of just have to see what's going on here, and that will be my indicator if I even decide to entertain White Man Can't Jump. Um. So yeah, man, weird, weird stuff still, but we'll see. It's, you know, it's just, they it's just a lack of risks. Like nobody want to <laughs> take too many risks anymore. I mean, everything that gets made is like, oh well, well, what's it based on? Like, do people know about it? And that's where that's where we are. It's just a reality. It's gonna keep happening. Like we might as well just get used to it. We're gonna keep breaking this news and, and keep talking about it. But this is the, this is the formula now. So it is what it is. In other news. Season two of Demon Slayer just premiered, just came back, uh, and season two is covering the Entertainment District arc that yeah. has officially started on Netflix. Um, you tapped into this already yet? No, episode one came out yesterday. I have not watched it. It's on Crunchyroll. 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 Oh, Crunchyroll. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, got you. Just premiered. Um, yeah, so it'll be. I think every. I think it'll come out every Sunday. Um, a new episode, but Entertainment District arc is known as being a lot of people's favorites. Um, and Demon Slayer had all this hype, anime wise, and it was just the first season it was just the first 23 24 episodes um so if if you haven't yet gear up and get ready for this this next season uh get caught up and meet with the the you know the the anime nerds on, on twitter from week to week man absolutely and in other news the boys over at amazon has a new animated anthology series in the works and it's going to be coming from the invincible showrunner simon Rass Rassiopia, um, and it's going to feature episodes written by Aquafina, Garth Enos, Justin Rowland, Andy Samberg, Seth Rogen, and Evan Goldberg. So the boys universe is expanding rapidly. Mm -hmm. We obviously have the main show. Then there's going to be another spinoff show that's going to be set in sort of the college 
or the young high school era of like young soups in the making. And now that there's, there's this animated anthology series coming as well. So Amazon is in the boys business heavy, rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I think, if not their most popular show, at least one of their like top two or three most popular shows. And they continue to just like put out great stuff. But I'm here for it. And coming from the Invincible showrunner, we know what that show's about. We know mm-hmm. how well that show is made and how how incredible it is. So like we're getting all of this at the same time. And I gotta just shout out Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg. They're they're in on it. They're they're, they're, yeah, they're tapping into the boys. it all the way. They're doing it, you know, and I think that this is smart. This is this is incredibly, incredibly um, genius on their part because they're giving us more of what we want out of this universe. And so I, I anticipate within the next like two years here, the boys is gonna be Pretty much just like all over Amazon because we're going to have the main show season three is coming back. They just finished filming that a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And then this new series, you know, the spinoff series and then this animated show probably going to see in like a couple years here. So it's just going to be the boys everything. The boys prime. That's what Good. I'm going to start calling it. So I'm, I'm hey, here for it. I'm down, bro. Maybe maybe the Invincible Boys. That's what we should call it because Invincible Uh-oh. is also about to own a lot of this stuff. And the crossover. They oh, man. might need to do some crossover specifically in this anthology series. Um, they it, it might have to happen. It's funny because when Invincible came out, I, I, how I would describe it to people is the boys animated because again, mm-hmm. there's a lot of the same themes and how dark and bloody it is, and um, and I, it's it's crazy that you know the um, Invincible showrunner is here making you know the uh, the boys diabolical. So, uh, man, it's like duh. It's like from a from a production point of view, it's like how can we not do this? <laughs> like it's right there. Yeah. Like it's like finally people thinking. Like oh my god, clearly Invincible is great, and we want to do the boys animated. One plus one equals two. Let's get it. And then they actually did it. So shout out to Amazon for not thinking too hard, thinking thinking smart and not hard. I'm very appreciative of that. Uh, so I I'm ready for it, man. It's, it has to be good. It's just uh, it's just how it's going to go. It's the energy. Yeah, also, I mean, the fact that it's an anthology series, that means we're going to get unique new stories every single time out. Mm-hmm. So this universe is going to rapidly expand. I'm sure they're going to tell stories about tons of soups and tons of characters from the comics that have just yet to be introduced or that maybe they just don't have, you know, really the time, the the, the re, uh, real estate to explore in the live action series. So that's honestly the concept that I'm most excited about is that this is just going to be a new reset every single time we're going to get to meet new characters find out new stories within this universe and it's going to be bloody as hell so this is going to be great can't wait for it and in our last news item for the week got to talk about this versus that just <laughs> went down we haven't talked about versus in a minute but uh could not could not let this episode go by without recapping yeah. quickly bone thugs and harmony versus three six mafia which just happened last week so this this versus was supposed to happen a long long time ago months mm-hmm. and months ago um and i remember they made the announcement months and months ago and it was ultimately um, postponed. And I've just been, you know, casually thinking about it here and there. You know, anytime like verses gets brought back up in my mind, I'm mm-hmm. like, damn, they never did that Bone Thugs and 3-6 verses. Like, is that going to happen? And finally, you know, just a few weeks ago, they made it official here. And my goodness, uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start with this. First of all, so positively on the positive end of it, one of the best verses I've ever seen. Like for me, hands down, one of the most entertaining from start to finish, it was just, it was so much happening all the time. Like, it mm-hmm. never let up. And that was that was so interesting to me because I was very close to not watching it because I'm just not, I'm just not as interested in verses now as I used to be. 
So I was very close to not watching it, but something told me to like just turn it on, just like just just give it a try. And it got off to a slow start, and you're watching like the first like four or five songs, and you're like, this might not have been the best matchup that we predicted or thought. Mm-hmm. But then at a certain point, of course, uh, shit just kicks into another another gear completely. I mean, they had so many guest appearances, so many people that just came out on stage that were represented. Everybody from Lil John to Lil Wayne to Lil Flip. I mean, I'm just yeah. like, this is a complete blast from the past like chameleon air comes out a ball and njg y'all they yeah. had fucking terrence howard come out and <laughs> and do hard out here for a pimp i'm just like wow this is if you grew up in the midwest or the south yeah. in the mid 2000s oh you're eating you're eating mm-hmm. ridiculous right now it was that it was just like a fun time to just have that nostalgia trip to see these two iconic groups also very influential groups just have, you know, one more moment in the limelight. I'm just thankful that it did not get derailed um, because it almost did. But it was an incredibly fun time. Um, Bone Thugs took a whooping, though. Let's just be honest about that. They they, they took a whooping. Oh, if you I mean, I, listen, three, six, I'm not I'm not I'm not, I'm, not bi- I'm personally not biased to either group. I love both of them. Uh, and I could sit and just like watch objectively like, yeah, I think. 3-6 was, was out here spanking that ass a lot Juicy of the J, time. Period. They was, I mean, yeah, Juicy J's discography is, it's, uh, it's pretty insane. hard. It's pretty hard <laughs> to overcome. And yeah. so you add that on top of what 3-6 already had. I'm like, damn, this is a tall mountain to overcome. So there were times where just like the vibe and the tone and the energy just wasn't, wasn't the greatest fit ever. And you could like maybe swap in and out other groups that might have been better to face off against each other. But mm-hmm. I think as a whole package, still regardless of that, like they both had these incredible moments, you know, where they're bringing out people. You know, even like Easy Sun came out and did his his verse on "For the Love of Money," and it's just mm. stuff like that that was just special. And overall, I just had a really good time with it. I'm just glad that you know shit didn't get shut down because of Busy Bone and what happened there. But mm-hmm. uh, it was a great time. It was a great time. And. The New York bias, like the New York critics and people that are talking about it, like y'all got to shut up because they they don't get it. Like, <laughs> bon- bonus from Ohio, three sixes from you know Memphis. Memphis. It's like mm-hmm. New York music ain't the only shit that, that that rang off for for a long time. And obviously, the South is still running hip hop. If we being honest about it, so mm-hmm. it is what it is. But it was a great time. I loved it. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's also crazy they got all five. Of of bone thugs, bro. That's like yep. in my mind, I was like, that's a lot of niggas. Everybody gonna be there. And they really got all of them. I was like, oh shit, they really got all five of them. Um, so I think that's tight. Um, I didn't get a chance to watch it, but only other thing I heard that was worrisome was the crowd, like being too young to understand what was going on completely. Did you see any of that when you were watching? Like where the crowd wasn't all the way in it as much as they should have been? Yeah, I mean, from the from the the stream that I watched was on YouTube, which was on YouTube. Um, you know, the camera was pretty stagnant the entire time. Like, you didn't get these like dynamic camera angles to where you could see like audience members. Mm-hmm. I've seen that in the past, but I think that they've you know upped their Production. I don't know their Fight TV membership. Like, there's there's tiers now to where you pay for better uh, camera angles. Whatever the fuck, I don't know. Uh, Swiss Beast called this the bootleg stream, so I'll indeed. take that as that. Uh, but it was <laughs> clear as fuck on my TV. I'm like, oh, this looks great. I'll take this bootleg stream. But um, you know, we, we talked about this off air. Everybody in the crowd was holding up their phone. Like everybody was much more concerned with the technology aspect of it in terms of capturing this footage on their phone for instagram stories or snapchat or whatever and less concerned without with just like living in the moment and enjoying the music i will say that based on what i heard and i could be wrong because i wasn't there obviously but based on what i heard out of that audience at the hollywood palladium in la they were very much more pro bone thugs than they were three six which 
I guess makes sense because yeah, Bone Thug style is is much more, more LA-ish. related to that L.A. West mm-hmm. Coast G funk yeah. soul rhythmic style mm-hmm. than the Southern trappings of Three Six Mafia. So that didn't surprise me, but it was noticeable from what I saw. Um, I think that the crowd definitely reacted more to what Bone was giving out. But for me, as a viewer at home, the songs that that Three Six were just like hitting much harder uh bone absolutely had their moments don't get me wrong like you pull out notorious thugs i lose my fucking mind you know you pull out for the love of money i'm going crazy uh thuggish ruggish bone obviously okay the night ended off um an incredible moment with crossroads like that was the last Mm -hmm. song and everybody was on stage like not only by both groups but all of their fucking entourages and all the special guests so that was just like a dope moment to see for just hip-hop like they they got past all of that and they paid tribute to a lot of people that we've lost in the past, such as Tupac or Ali or a Biggie, mm-hmm. but also people we've lost recently, like um Virgil Abloh, um mm. or um or um Young Dolph, you know, who we just mm-hmm. lost. You know, so that that moment was just incredibly emotional to see that happen. And so Bone absolutely commanded those moments as well. But I just think musically, you know, three six just had a bigger and more impressive showing. But yeah. uh Beyond that, it was just great to also see like other people come back and have their 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 time to shine. Like Chameleonaire. I mean, who's seen Chameleonaire lately? Like that man he lives ducked in off. Tech now. Yeah, he he be making money <laughs> and staying quiet. And so for him mm-hmm. to come back and have a moment, little flip to come back and flip. do a freestyle. Like mm-hmm. he's an amazing freestyle artist to see him come back and have that moment. And you know, even other you know artists that, that, that just you know made their appearances. It was it was just special and dope. I mean. Again, I'm just glad it didn't get, get derailed because Busy Bone, you know, I mean, they they started they started fighting on stage, and I was it was gonna be the first like actual fight in versus history, like it was kind of the first fight. It didn't result into like a big big epic brawl, yeah. But fists were thrown, punches were thrown. They just they didn't really connect, thankfully, and so they were able to get past that and move past it. So uh, ultimately, it all proved to be worth it. It was a great experience, and definitely enjoyed versus. So. Hopefully, everybody that watched definitely got a chance to tune in and enjoy it as well. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have for this week's episode of Two Black Nerds. We are officially down and out. Thank you, as always, for tuning in each and every week and listening to us. We will be back later this week to talk about episode four of Hawkeye. So if you've been checking out Hawkeye on Disney+, Plus, keep it locked here as we continue to review that series. And we'll be back next week as well to review the latest movies that come out, including Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, which we'll be dropping this week. So we'll be back with the review for that film as well next week. And as always, keep it locked, Two Black Nerds. We'll see y'all next time with that being said y'all we are audi 5000 and remember always bet on black appreciate y'all love y'all thank you for listening to another episode of two black nerds where we two black you nerdy and we out y'all peace if you put a limit on your love then count me girl i know myself this ways be od but i just express in ways you don't see yeah yeah and you should know that i'm about you if this ain't the way to love it, show me how to Cause I'm not afraid of breaking all rules I say what I sound, said to sound cool Hey, you know they can't distract me Better not distract you Might spin a block, but you don't want